0: Welcome to Signal from the Noise by Podcast Notes. The best ideas from the world's best podcasts in minutes. Please enjoy the notes from Dr. Andy Galpin, How to assess and improve all aspects of your fitness? Huberman Lab Guest Series. Check out the Huberman Lab episode page and show notes. Intro. In this episode, Dr. Andy Galpin at Dr. Andy Galpin gives an overview of the nine different types of exercise adaptations and low-cost tests to assess all aspects of physical fitness. Host, Andrew Huberman How to assess fitness and achieve goals People generally have two major goals in mind, aesthetics and functionality. The most important questions for assessing your fitness goals. How do I know which area I need to focus on the most? Why am I not achieving these goals? How can I get there more effectively? The methods are many, but the concepts are few. Andy's goal for this episode is to cover the essential concepts and then a whole bunch of different methods. 9. Exercise-Induced Adaptations Exercise can create physiological adaptations that can be bucketed into 9 areas. 1. Skill-slash-technique Learning to move more efficiently Specific position, timing, and sequence Skill development examples Running more effectively, practicing shooting a ball, swinging a golf club, etc. 2. Speed. Moving at a higher velocity or with a better rate of acceleration. 3. power. Speed multiplied by the force. 4. Force slash strength. The maximum thing you can move or what's the maximum amount of force you can produce one time. It's not how many repetitions in a row you can do. 5. Muscle hypertrophy. How big is your muscle? 6. Muscular endurance. How many repetitions can you do? It is almost always local muscle. 7. Anaerobic capacity. Synonymous with maximum heart rate. Total physiological limitation. 8. Maximal aerobic capacity. 9. Long duration training. Your ability to sustain submaximal work for a long time with no breaks, no reduction. A lot of people just think of this when they think of cardio. Health-based protocols are based on our current status or limitations in physical fitness among these nine areas. Assessing fitness levels per category, fat loss and health. Fat loss and general health benefits are reasons why a lot of people exercise. They are not specific training styles, they are byproducts of these nine protocols. If you understand how fat loss occurs, you'll realize some of these nine protocols are effective for fat loss and some are not. Same for general health benefits. Quote, when we understand what it actually means to be healthy from a physiological perspective, then the rationale for what to train for is going to determine itself. Dr. Andy Galpin. Lifetime Endurance Training VO2 Max and Other Health Metrics If you want to maximize health and overall functionality throughout time, it needs to be a combination of strength and endurance. To highlight this, Andy talks about a study he did at the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden. The Karolinska Institute in Stockholm is one of the founding places of all exercise physiology. For the study, they worked with people who were competitive skiers in the 1940s and 1950s. The skiers were now in their 80s and 90s living alone and healthy. They compared them to a group of individuals in America around the same age but who were not exercising. Both groups did a whole bunch of VO2 max tests. If your VO2 max is below 18 milliliters per kilogram per minute your fitness is so low, you'll probably need to be in some sort of assisted living home. If you are in VO2 max of 20 or 21 or 22, you're on that threshold. The group from America was right around that number. The group of competitive skiers was closer to 35 to 38 milliliters per kilogram per minute. They had a 92-year-old individual with a VO2 max of 38 which was in their estimation, a world record, the highest VO2 max for somebody over the age of 90. The study clearly showed that lifelong endurance exercisers are markedly healthier than people who don't exercise. Endurance exercises are very important for chronic disease management, but they are not sufficient for overall global health. This is because they do almost nothing for leg strength or any other marker of health. Genetics versus Lifestyle Endurance Training and identical twins. Andy's experiment with monozygotic twins the perfect scientific experiment for exercise you could ever create. Monozygous twins, identical twins, are the perfect exercise for scientific experiments, they have the same DNA. They took stool and blood samples, vertical jump tests, maximum strength tests, MRIs of muscle mass, VO2 max tests, efficiency stuff, genetic testing, an IQ test, etc., they wanted to look at everything to figure out what differed between the twins, and by how much. Again, they had another example of a classic endurance-only training paradigm, compared to a non-act. One of the twins was a lifelong endurance athlete, the other one didn't exercise at all. The exercising twin was significantly better at things like a lipid panel, resting heart rate, blood pressure, VO2 max. The interesting aspect was the things that were in the middle, Their total amount of muscle mass was almost identical. The difference in actual body weight was due to body fat. The muscle quality was not in favor of the exerciser. The findings were almost identical to the Sweden study. It highlighted the fact that if you want to move forward with optimal health, focusing solely on endurance exercises, cycling, running, etc., is not going to get you there. If you want to progress and move for high functionality, you have to do something besides just running. Aging muscle fibers and exercise. There are generally two types of muscle fibers, fast twitch and slow twitch. Selective reduction in fast twitch fibers is a hallmark of aging. It's difficult to activate them unless you're doing high force activities. Slow twitch fibers stay around because we activate them doing almost any activity of daily living. That's a problem because when you look at things like the need for leg strength through aging, the ability to catch yourself from a fall. Without fast twitch muscle fibers, you don't have the speed to get your foot out in front of you on time, and you don't have the eccentric strength to stop the fall from happening. Looking across the aging literature, it's very clear that maintaining strength and fast fit fibers over time is important. Can you change your fiber type with exercise? Yes, the limits of physiological adaptation are almost boundless given enough exposure. Exercise Physiology History, Strength Training Popularity, Arnold Schwarzenegger's movies Pumping Iron Conan, The Terminator, changed how people viewed weight training. Peter Karpovich's studies showed that strength training was safe and had many benefits, leading to a shift in the fitness industry. During the late 1970s and early 1980s, people began to understand the impact strength training had on physical appearance, This realization led to the formation of the National Strength and Conditioning Association, NSCA, and an increase in the use of strength training in sports. How circuit-slash-group training solved a lot of the problems the classic bodybuilding hypertrophy introduced. When you're isolating muscle groups, that means a good part of your body is really not doing much throughout the day. People start realizing they don't feel fit. They are out of breath, just walking up the stairs. All that training does nothing for your cardiovascular fitness, nothing to improve heart rate, oxygenation, blood flow. Lifting weights is single joint, often machine, often slow, often high-volume isolation stuff. That approach left a giant opening for CrossFit and kettlebell-type stuff, circuit training. The same or better results in under 30 minutes. You won't get so beat up because the volume's lower. The time is much lower. You get multiple adaptations at the same time. It was a brilliant solution for a lot of the problems the classic bodybuilding hypertrophy introduced. It got away from isolation movements and got people doing big movements, which are more effective, generally better. It got people doing things fast and explosive that's more athletic. That is more important for longevity. It solved a lot of problems like joint health. The problem with that though is less focus on movement quality and overemphasized scores. Exercise quality is more important than rep range, load, or time. Movement slash skill test. Going to a physical therapist or movement specialist is the best route for assessing movement skills. The four-step solution for assessing movement skills involves going joint by joint. The major joints to assess are the shoulder, elbow, low back, hip, knee, and ankle. How to do a representative movement for a well-rounded approach to exercise. Do an upper body press, an upper body pull, a lower body press, and a lower body pull. If you bench a lot, use the bench if you do pull-ups, use the pull-up if you squat, do squats, etc. Record a frontal view and a side view of the movement. Do 3-10 to repetitions per angle. Slow and controlled, you don't need any body weight. Look for 4 key things at every joint, focusing on the ankle, knee, and hip. Four key things to look for when doing a squat. Look for symmetry. Is one moving further ahead than the other one? Is one fidgeting and twitching around differently? Look for stability. If your knees start shaking, that's an instability issue. Can you do the movement slowly? Be aware. Did you realize your heels were supposed to be on the ground all the time when you squat? Full range of motion. Speed test, power test. According to Andy, speed test is not so important because you can assume about speed from a power test and a power test is easier to do as well as easier to train for most people. The cost-free version here is a simple broad jump. Normal position, jump out as far in front of you as you possibly can and measure the distance between where you started and the back of your heel where it lands. You're going to stand still, no running. You can swing and bounce as much as you'd like to do measure the distance from the tip of your toe stand behind the line and then the furthest point back where you land a basic number to look for there is your height you should be able to broad jump how tall you are if you're 5'5" five five, you should have 5'5" 6'5" etc for females that's going to ratchet down a little bit we're not looking for optimization in this particular test what you are looking for red flags If you can jump your body height, you're going to be just fine. Classic vertical jump for a more accurate number. You can just measure two of your hands and put them together so that both of your middle fingers are touching. Overlap them and put them directly over your head. Then you want to reach up as high as you can get and mark that on the wall. Then you're going to jump with those two hands and touch as high as you can up. And you're going to measure the distance between your standing reach and the actual height that you jump there. The reason you're doing it two-handed is that if you do it one-handed, you can reach pretty high by offsetting your shoulders. No running approach here. You can dip, you can drive, you can do all those things. You can swing your arms. Look for a number of 24 inches or higher. If you're past the age of 50, that number can come down a little bit to closer to 20. For females, it's going to be ratcheted down about 15%. If you're a middle-aged female and you're jumping 20 inches, you're in a pretty good spot. If you can do that on a force plate, that's even better. And these are very interesting because they'll tell you not only how high you jump, but they'll tell you how much force you put into the ground and how long it took you. Rate of force development. Strength test. There are two easy ways to measure your grip strength, dynamometer and dead hang. A hand-grip dynamometer is anywhere between $20 to $100. Those are going to give you a value in kilograms. Look for a minimum score of 40 kilograms. Ideally, 60 would be a really good score. You want to make sure that there's no less than a 10% variation between your left and right hand. Your non-dominant hand shouldn't be much weaker in this test. If you are a male and you're under 40 kilograms on a hand-grip dynamometer, you will need to work on that. For females, about 35 kilograms is the cutoff point. For a dead hang, find a bar that is thin enough to where you can wrap your whole hand around it. In general, you should be able to hang for a minimum of 30 seconds. 30 to 50 seconds is good but could be better. Above 60 seconds is the sweet spot for dead hang. Dead hang is a good example of when females tend to be better. Grip strength in women tends to be strong and they can hang for quite a long time. Be wary of weight, if you are exceptionally large, this thing doesn't scale perfectly. Leg extension test 1 rep max. Use repetition conversion equation put on a load that is close to your maximum and just do it for as many reps as you can. As long as it's under 5 reps total, you can then actually go online and enter that into any number of calculators anywhere. Front squat or a goblet squat hold. Hold a weight in front of your chest, kettlebell, dumbbell. Hold about half of your body weight, go all the way to the bottom position, and try to hold that for about 45 seconds. It's a pretty good indicator of your position, core strength, and low back stability. It's more difficult than the leg extension, but it's quite a bit more functional and it's going to give you insight into a lot more areas than just the quadriceps. Don't do any exercise to exhaustion or maximum strength if you're not comfortable with your technique. If you're not comfortable with the front squat, do the leg extension. Never utilize maximum testing if it's going to come with the consequence of serious acute injury. Whenever you do these tests, you want to make sure that that warm-up protocol is standardized. Hypertrophy test The best way to do a hypertrophy test. Any sort of body composition test can do this. scan is a gold standard. Pay attention to FFMI, Fat-Free Mass Index, and use an online calculator to calculate your FFMI score. Your FFMI should be at least 20 for men and 18 for women, assuming you are reasonably lean. That's going to tell you if you have sufficient muscle mass. All you need to know is your total body weight, your body fat percentage, and then your height. Enter those three numbers and then they'll tell you your FFMI score. Muscular Endurance Test, Push-Up You can do any number of tests here, but a standard push-up is a good testament to muscular endurance. If you can't do a single push-up, that's not a muscular endurance issue, that's actually now a strength issue. 25 consecutive push-ups for a male is a standard. Something like 10 is kind of minimum categories. If you're sub-5, you have a problem. When doing a push-up, full complete lockout of the elbows on the top and a full chest touch, or close to it, at the ground. Anaerobic capacity test, heart rate, this one's more challenging because you either have to go to a laboratory and do something like Wingate test protocol or Bosco protocol. If you can't go to a lab, you can do this on any protocol you want, for example sprinting, air bike, rower, etc. Anything where you can exert maximal effort and don't have to worry about technical problems. This is a 30-second maximal test where you're going to see how much work can you do in that 30 seconds. You want to think about how to get close to your predicted maximum heart rate. Get up to a maximum heart rate and then test your heart rate recovery. You should be looking for about a half a beat recovery per second. Get up to a place of terrible exhaustion, maximum fatigue, test your heart rate and then count. You should have a heart rate recovery of 30 beats per minute. Maximal heart rate test, VO2 max. The gold standard here is to go into a laboratory, put a mask on and get this thing done. If you don't have access to that, You can do a couple of tests. One of them is called a 12-minute Cooper's test. Run for 12 minutes as far as you can and record the distance you covered. You can go online to any number of calculators, enter the distance in, and that will tell you your estimated VO2 max. The goal is to get the maximum distance covered in 12 minutes. That's anywhere between a mile to two plus miles. Aerobic capacity is 8-12 to minutes where you're going to see a real true test of that VO2 max. You simply can't get that in under a few minutes. A little gentler version of that is a 1 mile walk test. Use a stopwatch or ideally a heart rate monitor. Long duration steady state exercise test. Maintain a consistent workout for over 20 plus minutes. Can you maintain moving at a non-walking pace without stopping? That's all it needs to be. 20 plus minutes of work with no breaks, no intervals, no downtime. Ideally, you should do this with nasal breathing only. Fitness testing frequency and testing order. Andy recommends making the entire list once a year, within a week. A three-day split here is probably the best. What is the testing order? The non-fatiguing test you can do whenever. This is the body composition scan, the FFMI, the body fat composition, all this stuff can be done wherever. Andy prefers to do that as your very first activity because acute exercise can heavily influence things like body composition measurements, due to inflammation, water storage, etc. It's easiest to just get that off of a 48-hour rest. You want to make sure you don't do any hard exercise the day before a body composition test and probably 48 hours before. Your movement test can be the same thing. You don't want to try to assess how well you're squatting if you're sore from a squatting test. VO2 max measurements. For men, a minimum number is 35 milliliters per kilogram per minute. For women, it's about 30. You can push a lot higher on those things in reality. Andy wants to see men above 50. What these metrics mean is how much oxygen can you bring in per kilogram of body weight per minute. It is a volume of oxygen for your size in a time duration. The way that you calculate it is you multiply your cardiac output by what's called your avo 2 difference. Your cardiac output is your heart rate times your stroke volume, how much blood you're pumping out per pump is your stroke volume. You multiply that by your avo 2 difference, artery minus vein difference. It's the amount of oxygen in your arteries minus the amount of oxygen in your vein. This tells you how much you took up in your capillaries, in your muscles. VO2 max, you take those two factors and multiply them together. That wraps up the notes for this episode. 5-star ratings are very much appreciated. Don't forget to go to podcastnotes.org and subscribe to our free newsletter. The top 10 ideas of the week. Every Monday.